Welcome to Conan Kruger. That's Larry Kruger. I'm Grant Cohn. The theme of the show today is changes the Niners need to make this season. The Niners are an enigma because on the one hand, since 2019, I feel like all of us have been saying, man, they might have the best roster in the league and the best coach or a lot of people say stuff like that. And yet they haven't gotten the Super Bowl yet. And when you put it like that and ask people why, they're like, uh, I don't uh, luck or maybe it's injuries or uh, I think there's got to be something the Niners can take control of something they can change that's under their control to bring this Lombardi trophy home. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So yep. let's talk about Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. How could he change that? For the, I better? think he's, I, I think he needs to go for it more and value offensive possessions a little bit more. So you're not going for it inside your 30 and you're not going for it on fourth and six. But sure. to me, if you're Otherwise. outside your 30 and you're fourth and five or less, I think that you got to look at the analytics and see that the league trend is to go for it more. And I think I would try to, you put a lot of money in your offense. You got a lot of guys handling the ball. You. you want handling the ball. I yeah. think I would value each and every possession a little bit more and go for it a tad more. And, um, no more punting from midfield yeah. or on your opponent's side of the field on fourth and three or less. I mean, just there should never be almost ever a time where you punt anywhere between the 45 and the other team's goal line when it's fourth and three or less. That's like no doubt. Got to go for it. Don't think about it. Just go for it. And I was going back to, to me, the, the, the toughest loss of this Shanahan era was that NFC Championship game against the Rams because that wasn't a great Rams team and the Niners had beaten them six times in a row. It felt like they could have won that game and I believe the Niners punted from inside Rams territory like two or three times in that game. So this would be a great place for Kyle Shanahan to start. You have all this talent on offense. You have a million different ways that you can pick up three, four, five yards with all these players. Why are you punting? I know you like Mitch Wisnowski and he is a good punter. He is a playmaker. The knuckle punt? Just kidding. <laughs> no, say, keep your offense on the field. Definitely. Definitely keep your offense on the field. That game was so frustrating because you knew the Rams wanted in that final drive to go to Cooper Cup, and they did. And it would have been so nice to, like, force them to do anything but Stafford to Cup. And I Meanwhile, don't know what the, I don't know the, what Niners, the Niners did. Kyle stopped going to Debo. It's not, like, it's not like the Rams forced him to. So that, to me, right there is a big... I think that's the toughest loss. You can say, I understand they lost to the Chiefs. The Chiefs had Patrick Mahomes. They're better than the 49ers. Sure. Um, Eagles, that was a hell of a team. They like lost, what, two games all year when Jalen Hurts was healthy? Sure. But that Rams team, they're like ninth on offense, 17th on defense, squeaked out a Super Bowl victory over the Bengals, who the Niners beat in Cincinnati. That's a tough one. I think they're always going to look back at that year and say, we had the best player in the league in Debo, and he didn't get the ball with 13 minutes left. That's on us. Yeah, I, I really didn't like that. Um, that's two big games, really. The Kansas City Super Bowl and that Ram game where Debo, Debo was an, was allowed to not be a big part of it um, in the key moments. Yeah, And you know what? I just think of, I mean, beyond this regime, beyond this era, going back to the Niners of yesteryear, they didn't go away from Jerry. They went to Jerry. 
You know, they, you know, they, they didn't go away from Roger. They went to Roger. Um, so I, and I, I think he, you know, it's easier said than done, but, um, in hindsight, I would like to see, I'd like to see them go for it more. And I'll tell you one other thing I'd love to see is I'd love to see them use, you know, it's a copycat league. The Eagles have had a ton of success with that rugby scrum short yardage play. And the 49ers have a fullback on their roster. They've got good backup offensive linemen. They could run that play as well as Philly runs that play. Uh, They even have quarterbacks who I think can do it now. I mean, and they always really have. Jimmy's always been a good quarterback sneak guy. I think Brock can be that. Trey can be that. Darnold's a big-bodied guy. Get your big people on the field like Harbaugh used to in short yardage. And, and, you know, rugby scrum it. Especially since, Grant, they don't call the – they don't blow the whistle for forward progress. They let that play go. So it's like you get one surge and then you get a second surge and you, if they blow it late, you may even get a third surge. Yeah. And I think the Eagles may have averaged like three yards plus per attempt. And that's a lot on short yardage. I think the thing that's most discouraging about Kyle and the things he needs to improve is that some of them may not be things he can improve on. I, I really think sometimes his brain gets a little frazzled under pressure. Like he's known you talk about things like Bill Walsh, the drive, the catch. Like those are moments of clutchness from Bill Walsh that led to being a champion. With Kyle, it's all like, you know, like the collapse or the drop or the this or the, the excuse or the. I don't like him not calling him not challenging that fourth down play in Philly. That was the game. That was the game, and he let it slip through his hands right there. He could have gotten the ball turnover on downs zero zero early in the game, but he didn't have it. And I think with him, it's like. You could have a 10-game winning streak, a 12-game winning streak, but if the pressure's on and you're a little nervous, are you going to what are you going to do? That's discouraging about Kyle. I almost feel like he gets tight. Well, you know, I'll say this, um as far as that that play in Philly. Yeah. I do understand what he's thinking there from the standpoint of we don't want to waste our challenge early. But that's a regular season idea. Yeah. And and Thank in you. in the playoffs Things happen fast, and the biggest play of the game could potentially be the first play of the game. You don't; it's not your birthright to have the game settle into a a regular flow. And I, you know, I feel bad. I feel bad for him in that one a little bit, simply because I felt like I don't know what the Niners had as far as I don't know what views they had. All I know is the views that I had. I didn't get a view that said challenge that until it was already done. So the first indication was Hafonga saying incomplete, incomplete. That the was the players first on the field. The players the on the second field. indication was Hertz and the offense sprinting 40 yards down the field. At that point, I'm, I'm throwing the flag and I'm gambling. Now they could have deked me into it, right? Because I, I still may not have had a good look at it, but those two factors, the, the, my own player singing incomplete and then them sprinting down, would be enough evidence for me to throw that flag. But I understand the thinking. It's like, got to save it for at least till the game gets rolling. But that was a crucial, crucial play. And you have two challenges. And I think the beginning of the game was crucial because both teams are built essentially the same way. Take the lead early and play with a lead. Neither team wants to play from behind or has very much experience playing from behind. And are particularly uh, successful scoring points from behind. So... The Niners deferred. They won the, the coin toss in that game and chose to play defense first. They were banking on their number one defense getting stopped. And they did. They did. 
They freaking did. And Kyle didn't throw the challenge. It's a tough one. The one, one. the one that's really tough for me in that game, too, is the you're down seven and you're instead right of just saying, time. yeah, instead of just saying, hey, let's waste the clock. Let's to me, once Brock survive, the game plan should have been let's get to the fourth within a touchdown. If we get to the fourth within a touchdown, anything can happen. Anything can happen. And instead, they we could win on special teams. We could get a pick Josh. six. All that. Yep. Yeah, and and Josh. Yeah. Also, I think the other lesson is don't have any quarterback. I mean, I love Josh. I'm his agent's a buddy of mine, but um, don't get don't let anybody be a quarterback on your roster that can't come in and play. Yeah, good call. Good call. Uh, all right, moving on. Give me a training camp sleeper that you're expecting to break out. A sleeper. Um, I got a couple Jordan Mason for sure. If he's a sleeper, I don't know if he's a sleeper, but I think he's, I think he could definitely break out. I loved how thin and how light he looked, how explosive he looked. He was probably 240 last year. No, no fat, but this year he looks like 225, 228 and just fast. And so I think he has, a, has enough talent to really bust out. And then on defense, you know, Kalia Davis, 93 up front. I mean, um, he's sitting third on the depth chart. You got Hargrave, you got Armstead, you got Kinlaw, you got Givens, you got T.Y. McGill. Um, but Kalia Davis has the kind of speed at defensive tackle that is could be a game-changing type speed. And he was a linebacker in college. He kept, kept getting bigger and bigger. But the production, the motor, the foot speed – I think he, he's 315 pounds. I, I think he's got potential to really show up and, and you know, the 315 pound guys don't, don't move like that. Um, it was an incredible draft choice. If he fulfills his potential now, last year was his red shirt year. This is his go year. Nobody's banking on him. I, I think Kalia Davis could make a huge impact. Good call. I'm looking at the wide receivers. The way I look at it is the top four guys are set. Debo Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod. I'm not sure they're going to keep six wide receivers. They look like they're going to be keeping more tight ends. Maybe it's a five wide receiver roster, in which case, who's it going to be? I think a lot of people would assume Danny Gray, but this team will wave a third round pick real quick. And although he is a deep threat, he drops a lot of passes. He catches with his chest. It is no guarantee he might get this job, but it's no guarantee he makes the team. And if it's not him, it could be Ronnie Bell. We saw him get a lot of targets in the offseason, and it also could be Tay Martin. Ronnie Bell drops some balls. Tay Martin does not drop the ball. Now, I don't know if he moves as well as Ronnie Bell. I, I'm intrigued with Tay Martin. I feel like that's a guy who's a real deep sleeper and who could actually make the team ahead of both of them as the number five wide receiver. You know, it's funny. I, I see this. I, I agree with you, but I see this a little differently. I see – I'm excited as heck about the wide receivers, Grant, because Ayuk and Debo are both really good and really intent on being bet the best they've ever been, which could be a key to the season. But Jennings is that chain mover, and Gray's the guy who's the complimentary piece that runs off the coverage. I don't think uh, Bell or Martin take Gray's job. I think Bell or Martin take Jawan's job. And I, I know Jawan's established, but I think also if they get down to it, and Ronnie, if Ronnie Bell and Tay Martin have a good preseason and Juwan Jennings preseason is just okay, 
there, there, there's enough former 49er people around the league that like Juwan, I bet, that they may be able to get a fifth round or a sixth round pick in next year's draft for Juwan. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I, I think there's very little chance that they'll pay him anything significant. And uh, I, I think he's the guy who could be in harm's way if Bell and Tay Martin go off. And I expect Bell and Tay Martin to be really, really good. So um, I think Gray's more battling, you know, Ray Ray. But, I, you know, I've talked to Kyle about uh, Gray. And it's, it's you know, when you're a play caller, you got to have that complimentary receiver who's got home run ability. So unless Gray just falls on his face, I think he's on this team. Yeah, um, I, I, I see. Like, I would bet like a thousand dollars that Jawan Jennings is going to be on this team. Like, I know. I, there's no I know, question. I know. But, so that's just how I feel. Yeah. With Danny Gray, the thing with Danny Gray is like, yeah, he is really fast and he can run off coverage, but he doesn't really play special teams. He had like 19 snaps on special teams last year. He but he did 87... make two key tackles on special teams late in the year, didn't he? He did, he's but he's a little. He's a wide receiver. I mean, he's yeah. not an asset on special teams. He had 87 snaps on offense last year. He's very limited. He's not on the field very much. No. So I'm just curious. Like, they drafted Ronnie Bell for a reason. Ronnie Bell got a lot more targets in the offseason in front of the media than Danny Gray did. If Danny, if Ronnie Bell plays better than Danny Gray, even though their skill sets are different, I mean, if they're anticipating Brock Purdy being their guy for the next two, three years, I'm not sure Danny Gray fits his team anymore. Because hear, Brock Purdy I, can do no, a lot I, of stuff, but I think Danny Gray was here for Trey. No, I, I agree. I agree. I think... Yeah. But I think Danny Gray also was here to make sure that Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, and McCaffrey don't just get beaten up underneath. So I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I really think that uh, Bell and Martin are going to fire, and I think they drafted Bell with an idea that they need a continuity piece to catch those key passes on third down, and they're not going to pay Juwan. I mean, I know I what you're saying, one. though, because Juwan is a key leader in the room. He's a Kyle loves personality. Him. Kyle loves him. The players love him. Um, they won't re-sign him, but I just can't see them getting rid of him early. But I, I got one more sleeper. I got one more sleeper. Braden Willis. Braden Willis. Braden Willis. Braden Willis. I think this is the Niners like Ben Skoranek. They're a little different. I know Ben Skoranek's the wide receiver, but the whole idea of taking a non-fullback and motioning him into the backfield and using him as a fullback I think that's kind of what the Niners want to do with Braden Willis eventually. And they were drafted. He was drafted right around the same spot as Skoranek was. That's a guy I think is going to be a big part of what they do. I love that one. I would totally, I totally concur on that. In fact, I'll go further and say, I think Braden Willis by mid season will have established himself as tight end two. Ooh. Ooh. I think he's going to, again, look at how the Rams use Skoranek. Skoranek's a really interesting piece. What they do is it's clever. McVay's good. Okay. They're an 11 personnel team, right? Three wide receivers. But in 11 personnel, your run blocking schemes are very limited. There's only so much you can do with one running back. So what you can do is run zone read, but they don't have that kind of uh, talent. So what they do is they motion Skoranek into the backfield. And so now you have a two-back formation against a nickel defense. And you got that nickel back in the, uh, you know, trying to fill gaps between the tackles. Advantage offense. Or you could go base and you could have Skoranek running routes against linebackers. It's very clever. And I think they're going to do more of it this year. It's so funny because Kittle, I retweeted a Kittle thing. Did you see that Kittle thing where he's talking about Kyle moves this guy to this side and then the defense has to switch on the fly and it's about indecision and creating basically, you're basically searching for creative ways to have the defense bust and you get big plays. We're in an era now where 
the in-between player who used to be kind of like, I don't know where he fits. Now that player is becoming a classic mismatch and right. it helps you hide your personnel groupings. It helps right. you kind of, uh, you know, yeah. cloud up what formation you're in, what grouping you're in. Right. It creates indecision with the defense. And I, 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 love, I think that's right on. That's Skoranek. Skoranek, and Skoranek that's Willis. Tight end? Is he a exactly. receiver? Is he a fullback? Is he a fullback? Is he right. a tight end? Yeah. Should we do I, nickel? Should we do base? Oh, we're kind of screwed either way, actually. And it's not. And it's like Skoranek isn't even that good. He was like almost the last pick in the draft. But if he hands. just has him as a starting flanker, yeah, that's not really doing anything for you. But if you get creative, all of a sudden now there's no real good way to stop him. Interesting. Right. You line Skoranek up outside every down and he's an easy cover. But if you move him around and you switch his position and you kind of, you know, kind of cloud up what personnel grouping you're in, and then suddenly you've got a miscommunication. Maybe you got a new player. It's week five. You got an injury. Somebody's in there, hasn't been in there. Boom, busted play, touchdown. Right. Because again, so Skoranek's on the field. It's 11 personnel. The defense says, okay, we're going to go nickel. Well, then the Rams see that and they're like, okay, well, we're going to put Skoranek at fullback and we're going to run power. And we're going to run power at your nickel, who's 185 pounds. How's that going to go? Okay, so we'll, let's go base then. All right, so you went base. I'm going to flex Skoranek out, put him in the slot, and now it's one-on-one against your linebacker. Like, what do you, how do you want to get burned by Ben Skoranek this time? It's very clever. The Niners could do, I think that's what they're going to try to do with Braden Willis. He's about an inch taller, 15 pounds bigger. Uh, good player. Anyway, I, love what Willis, I love what Willis yeah. offers as a... Uh, the one thing the Niners have that is really rare, because I watch all these other teams around the league, the 49ers don't, for the most part, have a receiver, a tight end, or a back who tiptoes through the middle. Every other team in the league, you got guys who are kind of looking around. Ayuk, Debo, Juwan, Kittle. Um, these guys run through the middle of the field without any fear. And that's and and Brayden last fits in. The last perfect. wide receiver they had who, who tiptoed through the middle of the field. God love him. AJ Jenkins. Pettis. Dante oh, Pettis. Yeah. Dante Pettis. And that's why I don't think he ever... I mean, he's not that good to begin with, but he just didn't fit this team at all because of that. All right. Why do the 49ers start slow? They have started slow three seasons in a row, maybe for different reasons. Or maybe there's something that ties it all together. What do you think? It's a good question because I actually think they ought to copy what the Rams do and value uh, the end of the year a little bit more, especially as they add more games. Um, and sit their guys in the preseason. They haven't done that, though, right? They play their mm -hmm. guys in the preseason, so they really shouldn't start slow. So why do they start slow? Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really sure. Is it, is it the way they go about, um, it, you know, the play calling? Is it, is it have to do with the way they practice? Is it just that they're playing so many games late in the year? That once you, I'll say this, like for basketball, you see a team that gets to the finals, they have a hard time kind of revving it up for the regular season. Maybe it's the Niners success or, or continuous trips to the postseason makes it so they don't, they don't get fired up in the first month of the year. I'm not really sure what it is. I don't have an answer. I'm trying to piece some things together. What I've noticed the last three years is they've had serious injuries at running back early in the year. Uh, Raheem Mostert got hurt week two, 2020, in, against the Jets. He got hurt week one, uh, 2021. And Elijah Mitchell got hurt week one, 2022. So I feel like part of the reason the Niners have kind of struggled to find an identity early in the year is they lose their starting running back immediately. And then they're so predicated on running the ball. 
uh, that they've kind of been floundering around trying to figure out what they do. In 2020, Mostert never really came back. Debo never really came back, and they sucked. In 2021, Debo sort of became a running back and carried him. And in 2022, McCaffrey came. So this year, they should be fine if McCaffrey's okay, theoretically. If McCaffrey's healthy and he can make it through the season, they should be fine. But if he gets hurt week one, the Niners are back in that like, oh, sh- oh what do we do? Like, well, now we need Elijah Mitchell to stay healthy. Now we need Jordan Mason to be like an every down player. And they could all of a sudden be like in an identity crisis. I think they go as their running back goes. That's interesting. I was going to say, if there's anything I can point to, at least thinking back to the Bears game last year, the Niners defense is got a lot of great talent on it. And they, I think they emphasize early, guys, let's fly around, play with energy and make plays. But then look at that game. They had stupid penalties. Um, and they had they didn't tighten their focus. I think it takes them. They want to see guys fly around and make plays, and then when guys overstep their bounds and create penalties with late hits, they go, guys, we need to tighten our focus. And they tighten their focus, and they get better. They need to speak it into existence earlier this year, tighten that focus from the get-go, because the reality is it's a two-team, in my opinion, it's a two-team NFC and you want that game in San Francisco, not Philadelphia. And that means you got to tighten your focus and, and play your A game, not just energy and not just flying around and not just playing hard. You got to play it's play hard, but play smart and do it from week one on. I got another one. The Niners are among the best teams in the league at game planning midseason. When Kyle Shanahan knows what he has and knows what you have, he usually out coaches you, usually, unless he gets in his own head or whatever. He did it like 12 weeks in a row last year. But early in the year, I mean, forget about his own identity crisis on offense, not quite knowing what he's got. But if he doesn't know what you have, if he doesn't know your team, know your coach, like week one, they lost to the Bears last year. It was a, it was a brand new coach in his first game. I think Kyle was just didn't know exactly what to expect, and you didn't have his best effort. They also lost week three to freaking Nathaniel Hackett in his third game as a head coach. He sucks. But if Kyle knows you, he usually can coach well against you. If he doesn't know you that well, if it's early in the season, if you're still figuring yourself out, whatever he, they're very, they, they talk about it. They're very specific in how they prepare. He shows the players all the fronts they're going to see. He tries to show them everything they're going to see in the game so they can counter it. If he doesn't really know, they can get out prepared, out schemed early. It may have something to do with their quality control. Not you, but uh, in their, <laughs> in their actual quality control guys in that, so much of what they do in their run pass fusion is set up by what they've done this week, this week, this yeah. week. And maybe they get to a certain catalog of plays, you know, seven, eight games in. They can establish tendencies and then self scout and work off their tendencies. And maybe they're running things out of a certain formation. Now they're getting more big plays because they're doing such a good job of kind of self scouting and going against their tendencies. And maybe that leads to big plays later in the year, but they definitely, whatever it is, they, they ought to talk about it and try to eradicate it because the one buy system where only one team gets the buy and only one mm-hmm. team has, I mean, that home field yeah, is going to be, and it's going to be huge. I mean, yeah. I, if you say, yeah. can the Niners beat the Eagles this year? They got a hell lot better chance of beating them. Thank you. If that game's in Santa Clara than Philly. And they already got to go to Philly once. Like they have five cross country trips. You really want to give yourself one, two, three more? I don't think you can. Honestly, this regular season schedule is so difficult that if the Niners have are, are like a wild card team and they have to run the table on the road like they tried to do two years ago, they're just going to run out of gas. Teams will. 
teams tend to. So yeah. gotta mean, find or, a way to not start slow. Yeah. Unless you're just worlds better than everybody else, you Possible. know, and that's not really reality in the NFL. Everybody's pretty closely grouped. Uh, yeah, you home field yeah. means a lot. And um, but that's all I can figure. I mean, maybe hone in your focus, get your play calling down, get your get your mismatches established. Uh, maybe I don't know because you can't. The only thing is you can't put anything on film in the preseason because nobody really buys into that. So it's mm-hmm. all based on, you know, what do teams think you're going to do? And I think Kyle has a great advantage as the weeks go on of, hey, we'll do something in week four and week six, and then we're going to bust it out in week nine, and we're going to flip it around the other way, and we're going to get a big play out of this. I think he's really good at that kind of thing, self-scouting and kind of you know planning for the entire season, but maybe that works against him in the first month. Um, Do you think the 49ers' safeties are overrated? By some, for sure. Because, I mean, I saw who had it the other day said that their running backs, their linebackers, and their safeties are the best in the NFL. The Niners' safeties are the best in the NFL. I, I, I like this. This is Niners why the safeties. Niners have won two of the last four Super Bowls, you can see, because their team is so much better than everyone else. This is why they have the rings that they have. I mean, I, I think Hafonga's really good, but he had some high profile uh, plays, and he looks like Palomalu, and everybody's yeah. just ama- made him like some megastar. He's a really good fifth round pick. He's really smart. He's a great leader. He ain't Palomalu, and he's not like the best safety in the game. He falls off tackles. There's things that he could do to improve. He's still a young player. Tayshawn Gibson is a great center fielder, ball hawk, but he's not, I don't think, I think there's better free safeties out there. Odom's a special teamer. Jair Brown's a rookie. I like Avery Young and Tyler Hawkins, but they're more depth pieces. Yeah, I think the 49er safeties. If you're gonna you're telling me that this entire league doesn't have a combo better than Hafanga and Gibson. I, I love Hafanga, but I don't I don't love him as much as the league loves him. Or the the people who grade these things out. I like Hafanga a lot. I gotta say. I did, I was skeptical at first. He had that stretch where he was doing way too much. D'Amico Ryan's called him out publicly. I asked him. He was like, Yeah, he's playing hero ball. He's uh, not really doing well with his eye discipline ever since then he didn't give up any more big plays i think he's going to be better this year than last year i think he's a serious pro i think he's a real playmaker i like a funga i think he's going to be a fixture on this team for a while and i think jair brown will too but he hasn't played a down yet so they could be they have the potential and i actually was quite just watching jair brown walk around on the field he comes across as an a1 athlete with A1 confidence. Don't know if it'll translate, but he on the field, he looked like he wasn't scared, at least from what I saw. Did you talk to um Bullocks and those guys at all? I mean, did no. because the depth charts that I've looked at have Jair Brown number two at strong safety. I know and, and not strange and not is uh, Andrew Hawkins num- at free safety? They no, he, they have Hawkins. Avery Young, George Taylor Odom, Hawkins. and Gibson. At at free, and then Taylor Hawkins, Jair Brown, and Hafanga at strong. I think Jair could probably play free safety. Yeah, I'm sure he could. They're not going to anoint him early. He may not even start week one, but I bet he'll be starting week 18. And I love Hafanga too. I just think that when we're talking about overrated, is a is a the premise is it's all based on where you're rated. Right. If you think he's a top top tier uh, NFL safety. I'm with you. 
If you're saying he he's the best yeah. safety in the game, I bet you I could find somebody. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I would take Justin Simmons and Mickey Fitzpatrick over Talanoa Hufunga. Um, would I take Jesse Bates over him? Probably. Uh, other than that, I think Hufunga, you could argue. Johnson. I think you could argue that Hufunga's best hasn't, he hasn't shown his best yet, that he could still be improving. I'm not sure. I'm open-minded with Hufunga. I thought he was a hell of a player last year. But it'll be interesting to see how a new coordinator uses him. Yeah, I mean, Hufunga's got some um, you know, unbelievable gifts. Like Very versatile. If you put him in the box and yep. let him read, he's mm -hmm. so smart. There's no yep. hesitation. He sees it. He goes. He's the problem good. I have is that he falls off of some of his blitzes. He falls off of some of the hits. I need I need to see him not just hit the ball carrier. I need to see him wrap the ball carrier. I don't see. Right. I don't. That's true. Know him to I just agree. Hit the quarterback. I agree. He's got to wrap the quarterback. He also can't cover anyone man to man. Sorry. That's not anyone. a strength. Yeah, that's no. not a strength. Great, There's great zone. Great zone eyes. Great instinctual. But you wouldn't. I mean, if the offense is play, trying to get people on him one on one. If you like, to me, the perfect compliment to him would be in like Earl Thomas in his prime. Oh, you know, yeah. you play a cover three. You let Earl play the deep middle, cover all the all the grass, and right. you get Hafanga up on the line of scrimmage reading the mesh point. What I also love right. about Hafanga is if you get into this, we're just going to run it down their throat. No, you ain't. Because he's no. gonna, he's gonna, they're gonna put him up on the line of scrimmage. He's gonna attack that mesh point. He's gonna make plays in the backfield. So if you get too like run heavy against the Niners, the Afonga's the guy that can take you right out of that. He had six tackles for loss last year. Yeah, uh, he had five pass breakups, four picks. He great was, dude yeah, too. Great, great guy. good player. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take some uh, super chats. WB Studio says once a player gets paid, he's out of Kyle's hand and becomes upper management safe until they get the bag minus quarterback. Kyle can replace these one-year deal guys at will. Is that fair? Hmm. It's life in the NFL. It's life in the NFL, kind of. Yeah, there's like a, a tiers of players. Uh, WB Studio again says start slow because Kyle saves his best players. Best plays, you mean? Best plays, plays. Sorry, I can't read. Illiterate. <laughs> uh, or Kyle experiments first couple of games. Or just not ready from too many comp uh, competitions going. Or are they mentally in Cabo still? Thank you so much, Double B Studio. That was great. I don't know. Good question. I want to see how the secondary or does. Or or their focus is so much late in the year. I mean, you know, I'll say this. I mean, the Niners of the 80s, they, they were flat at home in September. Year after year after year, there would be a September game. Niners were flat. I was at the Eagles game. In 94, they lost 40 to 8. And that was Remember just that game. one of many games where Remember they just kind of no showed under Walsh. Yeah. That was Seifert, but still, I remember yeah. that game. BY says, I want to see how the secondary does. Yeah, us two, double B says, or slow because the other teams do crazy plays early on and the stakes are less and the Niners don't do trickery uh, college plays. Other teams do. Uh, the defense is weaker this year, in my opinion. They lost like four or five starters. Losing Aziz Al Shair, people act like it's no big deal. They don't have a replacement for him. They might have a solid player, but Aziz was a good player, in my opinion. Very good. Not only that, I thought he was a tone-setting player. Yeah. One other thing yeah. to why they start slow, how, go back to that Chicago game. The things that stand out to me were the Greenlaw uh, over-aggressive late hit, but also weren't there two busted play touchdowns? So mm -hmm. I think it's just about attention to detail and communication on the back end. And that's where maybe Wilkes... I'll say yeah. this, from listening to Lenore... And some of the DBs talk at the podium and listening to Steve, to Steve Wilkes. 
I think he's going to hold these guys to a much higher level of accountability individually and collectively than maybe they have been held to in the past. I get the sense that he, he doesn't mess. You know what I mean? I mean, Lenore was like, I was, I watched film. I was bad. I was really bad. He actually wasn't bad. It wasn't really bad, but I like guys who. I was bad at the catch point. He was bad at the catch point, but I'd rather have guys who show up going, you know what? I stunk. Then hey man, I wasn't that bad. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Kyle with charges would be deadly. Yeah. If he could keep his quarterback healthy, Kyle would be deadly. If he could keep his quarterback upright, he probably would have a, a ring right now. Um, so what else we want to talk about? Okay. Is it better for quarterbacks to train away from the team in the offseason than with the team? Well, this is a this could be argued either way. I can see why it's good to get another set of eyes on whether it's Trey's form, Brock's form. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is where I think that the guy who gets burned the most from the NFL's stringent rules on how little you can be in the facility at certain times in the offseason is the quarterback, mm-hmm. because I think the quarterbacks used to just live in the facility in the offseason. And there was that constant dialogue with the coaches and you had players coming in to run routes. Maybe it would be not the same receivers, but you you were throwing to your receivers on your field with your coach that's watching it. And yeah. now, and to me, offensive football is so much about continuity. Yeah. Now you got guys with their theories and, what if their theories don't jive with the coaching staff's theories and now you're kind of working against each other? You're getting reps, but you're not getting reps with your receivers and your coaches, you know? And what if what if the Niners don't like what Christensen is saying to Lance? Or what if they don't like what Beck is saying to Lance? Or what if these guys that Purdy's working with in Jacksonville, you know, have a different philosophy than the Niners' offensive staff? So personally, I, I, I think it was better when they did all their work in the off season or most of it, let's say in the facility. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. Like maybe Kyle Shanahan structures his, his staff this way, knowing he can't have that much hand on hands on time with the quarterback because his quarterback coach isn't a, isn't a passing instructor. He's like a life coach who played the position, you know, like the passing instructors are guys that aren't really on NFL rosters. They're like John Beck and Jeff Christensen. They're these independent contractors who sort of take over in the off season. And I think probably Jeff Christensen has more to teach Trey Lance about throwing a football than Kyle Shanahan or Brian Greasy combined. So in that sense, yeah, like don't be with the Niners, go someplace with someone who knows what they're doing. The other thing I think is one interesting thing is that like Brock Purdy's success this year was partially predicated to his footwork in the short game. Because if your footwork is off in the short game, you're generally off. I wonder, and I don't know either way, so I'm just kind of wondering about where did he get that impeccable footwork in the short game? Because he just had it. And then you look at some of the other quarterbacks, Jimmy, Trey, Darnold so far, I don't see the precision in the footwork in the short game. So I kind of wonder, did Brock get that from Campbell at Iowa State? Did he already have that? Because his footwork in that short game was just like very veteran like. And they do run the short game a lot in the NFL, way more than they used to. And so I think your footwork and your lower half and all that stuff is so much more vital to operate that short game. Um, and Purdy had it. And I don't know if he got it from the Niners because he had it as a rookie. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he had it already. I, it seems kind of like Kyle Shanahan sort of relies on others to develop the quarterbacks in terms of mechanics. And then what he can add is a scheme, a very good scheme with uh, very good players as well. But in terms of like teaching the basics, that's not really what he does. And maybe that's harder to do than we realize. But yeah, I think it's kind of better for quarterbacks to train away from the 49ers in the offseason because that's not what Kyle has to offer. He has a scheme. That's what his dad offered too. A run game, a play action game. It's great. But like in terms of like footwork, drops, all of that, there's other, other more qualified people to teach that. One of the guys I thought had the best offseason um, years ago was Alex Smith. And it was an offseason where he like held camp in, was it San Jose State? Yeah, and he that got, was during the like, lockout. And he got like, like 75% or 80% of his receivers to go down there. And that, that was the love. year. And that was the year that Alex like looked like, three. yeah. I mean, he looked like he was totally in lockstep with his guys for the first time. Yeah. Stuff matters. So it's oh, too I mean, bad they can't. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I mean, I think to me, to be it's honest, if there's one thing that I really thought Trey looked better than Darnold and Allen in the, in the OTAs, is that Trey knows the receivers better yeah. for reps than Darnold yeah. and Allen did, and it showed, I thought. One thing I wanted to say, maybe I just don't understand league rules, but instead of like tight end you, where George Kittle organizes this big event for tight ends across the league, like couldn't you, couldn't you do like Camp Kittle and just invite people from the 49ers? Like, wh wh why not? How about that? Instead of right. getting all the tight ends in the league prepared for the season, how about Camp Kittle? Invite all your teammates that want to come. It's not mandatory. And actually work out with people that you're going to be playing with this year. I mean, how about that? Don't do the investment in the position. Invest in your teammates. Your team! I don't understand. But I guess I'm an, I'm 35 years old. That makes me really old and out of touch. Well, I mean, no. I mean, it's it, the whole concept is new, right? Of of like a tight yeah. end you. I, I, I'd love to talk to Kid a little bit more about how that whole thing evolved and came together. because. Um, I think it's kind of cool that he's like giving back to like younger tight ends and there's real tutelage that goes into playing football, especially that position. Um, but I agree. I would love to see him pour all that energy into helping Cameron Latu become the next Thank Kittle. You. Thank you. Like Kittle, God love you. Tight end you. It's a, it's a selfless. Well, I'm not saying it's selfless, but it's a good thing, but you could do that after you retire right now. You could do camp Kittle for the 49ers and say, or do both. You could do both. Both. I don't know. I just feel like if you're doing tight end, you should probably carve out a little time for Camp Kittle. Does Latu and Willis go to camp, uh, go to a tight end? I don't end know. Year? I don't know, but I did see, I think they Trey did. was there. But I, I, I did see um, George Kittle saying in front of everyone that Sam Laporta was the best tight end in the draft. It's like, what about Cam Latu, though? <laughs> what about your teammate? <laughs> yeah. Don't you want to lie or something? He's lo he loves his Iowa. Josh Wyatt says, Hafunga reminds me of Fred Warner at safety. Instinctive, smart, hard-nosed with professional eyes. We focus too much on limitations. I see what you mean. I see what you mean on that. They do have a lot in common. I mean, to me, what I, what I see there are, well, and also high character guys. No doubt. Guys who really, Leaders. really are about, really show up to win. Like, no you're not going to see a smiling Hafanga or a smiling Fred Warner after a loss. They're just not. No. They're not going to smile. They're not going to be. But if, if, you know, they're, they're, these are the guys that show up to beat you. 
And if they beat you, they're happy. And if they don't beat you, they're not. And there's no exceptions to that rule. Best guess, is Hafunga going to get a Mondo second contract from the 49ers? Best guess. Way too early guess. Yeah, I, I, I say yes. I say yes because he is, uh, his limitations um, can be schemed around and also he works on it. To me, I thought he looked like he's in better shape than ever. And, um, you know, he's he's also kind of like a coach on the field. You know, he's he's the first guy in every drill and he's the first yep. guy out there. And he's just, yep. um, you know, when the when the safeties were off to the side the other day or whatever it was, he's like talking to the coach, talking to the players. I mean, he's he's a coach on the field. He really is. A, and that's overused, but he really is. And like you could tell that he works out with Troy Palomar. You could tell that he has a really good mentor because experienced people who've been successful tell young people stuff like little things like be the first one out there, be the first one to do every drill. It's the kind of thing like my when I first started uh, on the beat, my dad would say, Sit front and center every uh, press conference. Sit front and center every press. Don't hide in the back. Let them know you're there. Let them know. That, let them see you. Let them know you mean business. That's how my dad is. Little things like that matter. And Hafunga is that kind of a guy. I definitely think he's going to get the the big contract. And um, this is a contract year for him. Everyone, if you don't realize, he's getting the, the extension after this year. So I would expect another All Pro effort from Talanoa. Anoop says, start your best O line personnel for once. Williams, Banks, Feliciano. Prior, Burford right tackle is natural position. Latu next to right tackle. That's interesting. interesting. That is interesting. Maybe if you wanted I, your best pass protecting unit, but that's not going to give Kyle the run blocking he wants on the right side, fortunately. Um, and I don't know that uh, that Burford. is their best um, alignment. I agree with Feliciano. I do. I do agree with Feliciano is probably their best center. That to me is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm Jake not sure. Randall was Rendell. a Pro Bowl alternate, and I and he's smart, and he's like. I'm not sure why. Yeah, but I mean, I think Feliciano is 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 a better player. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, I, like Brendel, Good season, but I I I I'm open minded to Feliciano as well. I feel like Brendel is serviceable. I'm not sure why he was a Pro Bowl alternate. He was Dallas just drafted geez. one of the biggest, strongest yeah. nose guards the league's ever seen. This Mozzie yep. Smith. Yep. They may need a guy like Feliciano. Also, what did Philly do? What did Philly do? Philly just brought Drafted. in Jalen Carter. Right. So you're talking about big-bodied guys in the middle who could uh-huh. overpower a Brendel. Feliciano uh-huh. is a badass. He's an anchor. He's, he weighs more. He's tough. I'm not saying Brendel's not tough. I think t- Brendel's more of a technician. Right. But Feliciano is a broad human being. Yes. You know I mean? He, Bigger. He, he's, he's really wide. Prior, like Brendel might not even be 300 pounds. Brendel might be 295. Right. Feliciano's like three, two, 325. Yeah, oh, like I mean, he's something yeah. like that. I kind of, um, I'll tell you the guy that, that I'm really eager to see is uh, Leroy Watson because in, in the mini camp, this guy looked like he had had a great offseason. I mean, he's bigger, stronger, and he's got real tackle size. I wonder about Burford as a tackle. I think Burford might be more of a guard than a tackle. Uh, yeah, that's what that's what they're telling us. That's what Forster says as well. Sirs Eleven says, "Grant, I was dying laughing at your live take yesterday with the guy who wouldn't get to his point, trying to call you out. The one with the lisps. <laughs> Shout out BD Forty Niners. He it was a funny, it was a good segment. He had a bunch of receipts, which I'm always down for people to call me out and have my receipts. But he was trying if he was trying to make it seem like I loved Brock Purdy and called him a franchise quarterback, and now I'm saying that he's not a franchise quarterback or, or he sucks. 
I think he's good. I think he's a good starting quarterback. I'm not sure he can win a Super Bowl. That's essentially where I stand right now. I, don't, I think that's where I stood the whole time. But if you have, I mean, I think you've been consistent. conflicting evidence. I think you've been consistent. I mean, you know, I like him. I feel like I feel like I could describe exactly how you feel about Brock Purdy. That you like him. You were surprised by him, but you like him. You respect what he's been able to accomplish. But you're looking at a league that was commandeered by Mahomes, and you're thinking long term do the, if the Niners are getting this thing done do they need a higher end performer at quarterback mm-hmm. with a bigger arm with better athleticism I, I, I mean I don't know but I am like, wondering I am I wondering like, yeah. yeah I mean I, I, like I don't I have the answer yeah yeah that's fair that's fair all right um last topic so we started with this I keep coming back to this everyone crowns and everyone respects what the Niners have built and they break it down like they have the best defense. They have the best weapons. They have the best wide receiver tight end combo. They have the best dual threat running back. They have the best offensive minded coach, not named Andy Reid. Like they have so much going for them. And they've had all this since 2019, essentially. And yet they don't have a Super Bowl ring. And when you add all that up and you ask why no ring, people say, well, you know, injuries or luck or this or that. And there's got to be something the Niners can do differently. There's got to be something standing in their way that they can address and not just say, you know, we're going to keep doing the same exact thing every single, every single year and wait for things to go our way. Because a lot has gone their way the last few years. What would you say the last thing standing in their way is? Wow. Um, okay. So is it like, a flaw in the blueprint? Is it something? I I would say... It's a, it's a, okay. There's a couple things. I really think they lost the chief game because they did not have DJ Jones. So you You gotta have, that's a good call. You gotta have your key guys healthy at the end of the year. That's one. Mm -hmm. Um, and they haven't always had, they've, they've missed some guys, some key guys and they didn't have Mosley. I thought Mosley was a key guy. They've kind of run out of players at times, but as far as something they can control, I think it's that Thursday meeting that Friday meeting when they're sitting out and they're planning in an ideal world, how many, what do we, how many touches do we want for these guys? How do we, Mm -hmm. where do we want to, they got a lot of weapons and they got a lot of choices and they got, and they got an array of plays, right? They get, I think there's, I think there's, there's sometimes there's too much respect for the opponent. Dallas game would be my example there. Sometimes there's not enough respect for the opponent. Philly game at the end of the first half, um, the the aggressiveness. But I would just say, make sure that your that your that your money is on the field, and that your money is touching the ball. So yeah, Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey. Mm. That's your money. Make sure they're rested and touching the ball a lot in the biggest games, and take your five or six key defensive players. And make sure they are healthy and rested for the playoffs. And if you got to, if you got to play McCaffrey less snaps, play McCaffrey less snaps. If you got to substitute more and pull Hargrave off the field in the fourth quarter, pull both, especially Bosa. Bosa is a difference maker. I I don't want to see Bosa in in seventeen point games in the fourth quarter piling up stats. You're gonna pay him his thirty three million dollars guaranteed. He's gonna get record setting money. You tell him when he plays 
I, you know, a 10 sack season from Bosa could be more valuable than a 15 sack season from Bosa because what really matters is when you get in the playoffs, you need a full run Bosa, not a guy that's been played a ton of snaps and has been chipped a ton. And, and that's the other reason why I would go get one more defensive end because if you don't, Bosa is going to take a lot more physical punishment chip via doubles and chips and that kind of thing. I w- I'll spend some draft capital to go get a Montez Sweat, to go get a Chase Young. I'll spend the cap room to go get Nagakwe. Load up on your defensive line so they can't load up on Nick. Make sure that you answer. get to the playoffs with both. Who's your the most important guys on defense are Greenlaw, Warner, Charvarius, Bosa, Hargrave. Let's just say, make sure that those guys come off the field in the fourth quarter when you have a significant lead and see and and plan for the big picture. Plan to be playing in February. That's that'll be my approach. Yeah. I like it. To me, though, like the defense hasn't been the reason that this team hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. When I look at their three, 2020 was an injury year. But the other years, they lost in the Super Bowl, I believe. Put it this way. I think anytime their quarterbacks have a clean pocket, whether it's Jimmy, Trey, Brock, I know for a fact Brock's numbers are off the charts when he has a clean pocket. Off the charts. But pass protection is not an emphasis on this team. Essentially, quarterbacks have to protect themselves. So in the 2019 fourth quarter Super Bowl, the offensive line folded. Chris Jones dominated. And Jimmy Garoppolo was the scapegoat. But the offensive line folded in that game down the stretch. It folded in the fourth quarter against the Rams two years later. And it folded immediately against the uh, the Eagles. I mean, it folded against the Cowboys too. Like What was it? 50% pressure rate? This is that the Niners won with defense and gave up 12 points. I think pass protection is, is what's holding them back. They have a great D-line. They're invested very they're invested everywhere, but their pass protection is like money ball stuff. The only player on the offensive line who's there for pass protection is the left tackle. Everyone else is a run blocker first. So I just think the design of it is all wrong. This is 2023. You got to be able to pass better. It's nice that you have this great running game, but it's not going to deliver you a Super Bowl. You have to have better pass protection. And that's just a, not that's not just your offensive line. That's that's what you emphasize. That's when that's not calling seven step drop play action passes against Hassan Reddick with Tyler Croft blocking him i mean it's a whole emphasis it's not there that's what I well think and then if you see a team that's cheating it's like you know if there, yeah. there's hitters in the in baseball that cheat and 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 what i mean sit on fastballs well they or, or they or they you know they're gonna be like edgar renteria was gonna get pounded on a fastball in the world series and what he do he cheated he he he, he guessed fastball and mm-hmm. he got his hands going early he got a yeah. fastball and he hit it out for a three-run shot mm-hmm. don't you know, don't go to play action if you're going up against a team like Philly that's not honoring your play action fakes. Um, just take the take, you know, find other ways to don't just be like, hey, we like play action as part of our game. Um, and they're not honoring the play action fakes. Don't get, you know, t- do something else beyond play action mm-hmm. to create separation and create, uh, you know, chunk yard right. plays. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's it's That's a good point. don't ignore that there are some teams out there that aren't going to honor play action uh, fakes yeah. at all. Whether it doesn't matter what the score is, it doesn't matter what the matchup is. That's the way they're they're going about it. Isn't that the best way to defend a Kyle Shanahan offense? I mean, we all talk about what makes him so good. Well, the play action passes look just like the runs, and they get people wide open. Only if you honor the play action fakes. If you come right. in with a defensive mindset, like, look, we'll 
we'll live with them running the ball. But anytime they want to do a, a lazy little play action pass, we're going to kill this quarterback. Kill him. Right. And we'll yeah. take our chances. We'll take, yeah, our, chances. We'll take our chances. And we're, and we're not. Yeah. And what you're essentially doing is you're giving the defense an extra an extra mm-hmm. second to get to your quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's when you got to hit them with quick hitters and and make sure that if they're not going to honor your play action fake, that you find another way. Um, and that's so. why I feel like Kyle Shanahan can be in his bag. He'll if he really knows a defensive coordinator, he can exploit him. But did you not know that the Eagles do that? Like, were you a, that play call seemed like he thought he was going to slow down that pass rush. You had Debo coming around. It seemed like he thought he was going to confuse that defense, but it, none of that slowed him down. So it felt like his whatever his game plan was, his scouting was, it was off that week. Didn't have the desired effect. Also, I think we saw it in the way they attack, attacked the draft. It's like not every weapon has to be a receiver. You've got a bevy of guys. Emphasize blocking more on the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage at tight end. Mm-hmm. I think Dwelly's mm-hmm. going to have a real hard time making this football team this summer because now you got Latu, now you got Willis. They're both known as blockers. Willis is a strong blocker in space. Latu's a strong blocker with yeah. his lower half on the line of scrimmage. They might have to em- keep four to keep Dwelly around at this blocking. point. Emphasize they, blocking. I, I, I think they end. might keep four tight ends this year. I just have a feeling that we're going to see more of a two tight end D offense. We're going to start very, to see a little bit. Le- yeah, it's going to be hard to though, Grant, because I mean you're going to. They love to keep ten D linemen, and um, they drafted some young players in the secondary. So I think they're going to keep ten DBs. So they keep five wide receivers. They can keep four you got tight a ends. loaded linebacking core, and you got they keep five tight ends. Keep five wide receivers though. You're going to keep just five re-signed. wide receivers. They just you're resigned keep three three quarterbacks. You know you're going to have three quarterbacks on your active roster. So. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I don't think I mean, you yeah. can waive Dwelly though. They just re-signed him. I think you might be able to trade Dwelly. Dwelly's a pro. He, I mean, they would take him in. They would take him in Miami. They would take him in New York. Any, I think there might be a market for Dwelly. Well, you know what's interesting? That to me, I, I, did, I did a little exercise the other day, and I went through the roster, the camp roster, and I thought, okay, no, I mean, obviously, it's going to be injuries and all kinds of different things that affect things. But I just was going through looking for the fifty-three, and what I got to was there's at least a half dozen players that the 49ers may, they may be too good to cut, but not good enough to make the team. And those are the guys that I'm looking for Lynch and Peters to turn into 2024 day three draft choices. And I think, like, I mean, I, I mentioned Juwan, but Zane Gonzalez, the kicker, could be coveted by some people. Um, whatever linebacker doesn't make it could be coveted by some people. Javon Kinlaw, if he doesn't make it, he could be coveted. There's a number of guys uh, on this team that Ambry Thomas, if he doesn't make it, he you might be able to find a day three pick if he plays well. So they're going to have a good competition, but they've got, I would say, five or six guys that they may be able to swing deals for before the cutdown. I kind of get the feeling this is Kyle Juszczyk's final season on the team. Uh, he'll be 33 next year. He'll have no guaranteed money in his uh, contract next year. His cap number will be more, almost $7.6 million. I have a feeling... If he misses a little time, they'll kind of experiment with Braden Willis in his role. And if Braden Willis does well, they might just go with the younger guy. So I'm curious to see what happens with the uh, use check this year. This might be talk about hit, this could be hit, it for him and Jawan Jennings. Final, final year here. Don't forget about Coletto, too. You know, um, mm-hmm. the one thing about Jack Coletto, he was a, a mechanical engineering major at Oregon State. So you're talking about a guy who's really, really smart. And that's what they love in their fullback. You know, they've got a dizzying array of formations and pre-snap motions and shifting and 
And uh, a guy like Coletto's got the mental capacity to digest the entire thing. He's not quite the athlete that uh, Huschek is, but I could see a redshirt year for for Coletto and some combination of Coletto and Willis replacing Juice next year. Josh White says Green Bay tried not honoring play action in the NFC Championship game. If you do that consistently, you will get embarrassed. The Niners never passed in that game. Yeah, I mean, and and that's another thing too. If you're going up against a team like Philly and they got 70 sacks and they're coming at you, yeah. maybe that's a run heavy scheme. Maybe maybe Old, run the ball. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, the, the you know, it's interesting. Some of the Kyle's playoff games they've run it so much. Other times they probably like Atlanta. They probably didn't run enough against New England in the Super Bowl. But I, I, you I know, just don't understand how Kyle can win. Have, I'd run the ball. How can he win an NFC championship game throwing eight times and then turn around and tell you he had to throw on second and six in the first quarter from midfield? Like, dude, why? You have Christian McCaffrey. Your entire offensive line is built to run block. Run the ball. Like, what are you doing, man? No, we're going to go play who's, action here. Who's the number one competitor in their division? Seattle. What was Seattle against the run last year? 26th. Like, what, what have they done to improve their run? Nothing. Their run defense, I should say. So, I mean, I, I, I think the game plan this year, well, they brought Bobby Wagner. run Debo, run, you know, run your backs. I To me, if there's one guy that could change their whole look this year, it's Jordan Mason. Because Mason, I think, is yeah. ready to not just run a little bit. He's not a comp. I don't see him as a compliment. I see him as a burgeoning star. Yeah. And if the, if the Niners could just rotate their running backs and keep them all healthy and use them, they might just win the Super Bowl. Larry? What you got going on the rest of the day? Um, I'm I get my kids playing uh, uh, postseason baseball in the afternoon, and then I'm doing a live stream tonight with uh, with John Lund, my good buddy from KMBR. We'll talk a little bit about the Niners. We'll we'll start with the Niners. We'll talk a little uh, about the Red Hot Giants, and maybe even a little look back at the Warrior draft. So I'm I'm, I'm visiting with the great John Lund tonight. Nice. How old your son? He's 14. What position? 14. He uh, plays second base in the outfield. Nice. Where in the outfield? Uh, usually on the flanks, usually right field or left field. I feel, um, I feel you. But, uh, feel you. you know, 14 is at that age where you got. And Finally I told getting him, some I, fly balls. Finally well, yeah, getting exactly. some fly balls. Suddenly, yeah. like, outfield play is important, you know. I so love I outfield. Him, hit your freaking cutoff, man. Absolutely. And it's better to one-hop the guy than to throw it over his head. Yeah. Always. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, good show. Thanks for watching, everyone. Go check out Larry. I'll be back tomorrow with my pops.